0: Help me break these bars of stone. We are Yes. Just me and honor for You alone. The your hands say, "Worthy are Worthy are You, Lord. Are you, Lord. We God, the I'm like Oh, you know. generation for you, God. We'll lift up our voice. We'll lift up our hands, God. We'll set our feet a-dancing, God. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Amen. How to shout to celebrate with all the earth? Now we'll shout you to the break.
1: or anything like that. This is totally new on Brother Tim and everybody else. Nobody knows this song, and that's just the way it is. But I felt the Spirit of the Lord say that my mercy will give you a reason to dance, and my my glory will give you a reason to shout. And then there's this line in this song that just gets me every time. And it says, It's the overflow There's an overflow of a forgiven soul.
0: And now that we've seen you, God, Our hearts cannot stay silent. It's the overflow of a forgiven soul. And now that we've seen you, God, our hearts cannot stay silent. One more time. It's the overflow of a forgiven soul. And now that we've seen you, God, somebody shout. Our hearts cannot stay silent. There will be a dancing generation, dancing because of your great mercy, Lord, your great mercy, Lord. There will be a shouting generation, shouting because of your great glory, Lord, your great glory, Lord. We'll be a dancing generation, dancing because of your great mercy, Lord, your great mercy, Lord, and we'll be a shouting generation, shouting because of your great glory, Lord, your great glory, Lord, It's the old. soul, and now that we've seen you, God, our hearts can now stay silent. It's the overflow of this forgiven soul. We will be a dancing generation, dancing because of your great mercy, Lord. Your great mercy, Lord. We will be a will be a shouting generation, shouting because of your great glory, Lord. Your great glory, Lord. somebody shout. And we don't have a thousand people to shout. We can shout out to God with a voice of triumph. Just if there was just one of us. Sometimes we just need to look at all the things in our way. And then look up to the lifter of our eyes. We get to shout and say, God, I thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, thank you, God, for what you've me through. You are a great big God. Nothing can stand in your way. Hallelujah! 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 Jesus, your name is
1: great and greatly to be praised, God. Oh, we lift up the name of Jesus in this place. Can we just lift our hands right now? Just begin to lift up the name
0: of Jesus for a few moments. That's it. Just lift up your voice. Lift up your hands. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh. Holy God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, yeah. oh your name is great, God. Your name is great.
1: You're just seated to just lift your hands right
0: there when you're at just get your heart in an atmosphere of
1: worship and sometimes it takes us a while to get the hit the pump right but tonight I think the Holy Ghost just wants us to get in an
0: intimate time of worship
1: so just take a few moments you don't have to be standing we don't have to dance around just you get your heart in a place where it's in line
0: and in one with God. We sing praises. We we'll sing praises to your name. We praise the name of the living i Thank yeah. Sing a song prophetically tonight. I know it's an older song. I want to sing this song prophetically tonight as we get ready to go a little further into the Word. I want to sing a song, Sister Daryl. Need you to try and follow me. Just give me that key that we were in or whatever key. Shackled the
1: Nice. Ah,
0: we um. have. That's why I said we're going to sing that prophetically.
1: Because I believe tonight the hand of the Lord wants to come down in this group of people and just touch us. Be among His people. You know, we don't have to have, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, we don't have to have enticing words of man's wisdom. We don't have to have the newest, latest, greatest. All we need is a touch from the Master's hand. All we need to do is go like Jeremiah did to the potter's house. And say, Master, I'm broken, I'm marred, I'm beat up, I'm busted. But you can touch me and make me whole. Aren't you thankful that God can make us whole? I get this, I get this desire every once in a while to try and fulfill a need, but God said you're not able to fulfill a need, all. You're just able to do whatever, whatever authority and whatever power you have is what I give to you. And in and of yourself, you're not able to do anything. But he said, if they'll just reach out and touch them, touch the master, like the lady with the issue of blood, if I could just but touch the hem of his garment, he touched me. And he made me the Lord your God, am pleased with my people. I've looked to and fro to find those who desire me, and i found it among you. I'm pleased with you this night, and I long to pour out a blessing upon you. I long to pour out my blessings upon my people. I'm a father in heaven that loves to give good gifts to my children. Would you but lean your ear toward me, Would you hear what I have to say to you? Because my promises are yes and amen. My promises are forever settled. What I say to you, I will bring to pass, and you will know that I am the Lord your God. We take just the next few moments and just pray in the spirit. Those of you who are able, and listen, I'm not telling you to work anything out, but just pray in the spirit if you will, just for the next few moments. God we yield to your Holy Ghost, right now. E eu tô dando uma marcada Silva baby que rolando uma parada. Eu sure that he develop consigo
0: também.
1: Um sure na parada. E Oh, he didn't na rocoo na parada. Oh,
0: then na conclusa. Oh, he develop
1: I hear the Lord saying that I'm pleased with you, my people. I'm pleased with what you've done thus far, but don't get your eyes upon the manifestations of the natural world around you. For I'm bringing to pass things that you know not of. I'm bringing to pass things that you can't even comprehend, nor would you believe them if you've seen them with your own eyes. I'm lining things up, says the Lord, to do great and mighty things in this church with this people. Look not to the natural, says God. Look not to what you see right now, but look to what my promises are. If i said it, it shall come to pass. Just believe that I am working in behind the scenes. I'm working in the spiritual realm, and I'm getting ready to bring to pass in the natural what you can only imagine, says the Lord.
0: We give, we give you glory. We give you glory. We
1: give
0: you glory, We give you glory, Jesus. You're,
1: You're just gonna follow the leading of the Lord tonight. There are several, there are several people um, that, that may have tithe or offering, and we're gonna we're just gonna do it like this, Brother Dennis, tonight. Um, I want you to just at the end of the service, if you will, just be the first one to go over there. And well, I will allow along the way. I'm not, that's not me. That's not the way I would normally do it. But we're just going to go with the Lord. I don't want to be uh, caught up with that right now. And, and I just, right now, I sense that the Spirit is trying to line us up. The Spirit is trying to line us up. And this morning, when the Holy Ghost gave, He gave me this word several days ago. But this morning on the way to church, I told De- Sister Deidre we were talking on the way here, and I said um, we were talking about her preaching, and I said, "Hey, you want to preach? Want to preach tonight?" She said, "No," and then she said, "Well, I've got a message," and I said, "And I said, well," she said, "Let me tell you about it." And so she told me about it, and she didn't know that in my mind I was already thinking about this message that um, that the Lord had given me this week about alignment. I felt like it was a Sunday night message, and I don't know why. I know I knew in my logical thinking that the crowd was going to be smaller, and as a preacher, you want to preach to the most people you can. That's just the nature of the preacher. But I just knew that this was a Sunday night message. Now, I don't know why. I can't tell you why the Holy Ghost gave me that impression, but I have to believe that it was for this body of believers right here, this group tonight. And that's why this morning I didn't think it was very strange that Things carried on the way they did in the service, and that you know, I I actually went farther than I even wanted to go into this message, but I knew that it was a it was a message for tonight. Now I don't know why I, I don't to be honest with you, I don't have any kind of special uh, unction about this message, but I knew it was a message for tonight. So if you will open up your heart and open up your mind with me tonight, open up the the tablets of your heart, and let God begin to write again on the tablets of your heart. 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 I believe that this this word will be revelatory to you tonight, and I trust that not because of any delivery capability that I have, but because of the unction of the Holy Ghost because tonight, he, he truly was leading me this morning that this was a tonight message, and I wasn't quite sure how things were going to work out, but nonetheless, he allowed me to preach this tonight, and so I, I believe that it's for this season, this hour, and for these people that are here tonight, somebody say amen. amen. Now, to be honest with you, this morning, I wanted the church to get with me, and I don't know if it's that I'm a little bit deaf, or if it's that um, or if it's that maybe I'm a little bit right, but, um, but it seems like, that I have trouble sometimes getting getting everybody together with me. And it's a, little, it's a lot easier for the preacher to preach if you're with me. And so I like to get, you know, it, it helps me to get an amen and to know that you're preaching along with me. But I'll be honest with you, tonight, I don't care if you do that or you don't do that because I'm just going to deliver this message anyway um, because I believe it's the message of the hour. Sometimes God gives us a sermon, and sometimes he gives us the message. And I believe this is the message. So... One more time as we get ready to go to the Lord in prayer, I want you to turn with me to the book of Genesis. I just want to reread a a couple of those scriptures that we read this morning. Um, It'll be on the screen for you. You won't have to do much work to to read that scripture. But in Genesis chapter number 28, we're looking at Jacob here as he was, he had already um, got the blessing. He got his dad's blessing, he snuck in there, Stole the blessing from Esau. Y'all know the story, and he was he was running away, and uh, in the natural says he stole it. it. It he didn't know that. I don't even have time to preach this tonight, but you know the problem with Jacob's thinking was that he thought God had limited potential. He thought that he thought that he had to be blessed by his father because. There was only so much blessing to go around. And when there's only so much to go around, people do silly things. That's the reason society is the way that it is, and sin nature is the way that it is, because we 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 live in a society that has limited potential. This is all free. I saw Sister Sharon say something to me, and now you're getting something else. Here it comes. But I'm telling you, we live in a society where where, where the world, listen, what the world has to offer you, Sister Evelyn, is limited. You can only go so far. I don't care how many billions of dollars that you can get. I don't care how many billions or millions of dollars that that Donald Trump is worth. He has a limited amount of potential in this world. There's only a limited amount of of money that's made in the mint of the U.S. Treasury. There's only a limited amount of money that's circulated throughout the United States and all of the world. There's a limited potential. Everything that this world has to offer has a limited potential on it. Everything that the devil will ever offer you... Because the only thing he even has a, a false dominion over are the things of this world. Can I get a witness? The, the, the only thing that Satan has is the, the dominion over the things of this world. And he only has that if we give it to him. Because, he, because Jesus has given us dominion over those things now. But he operates in a false dominion over the things of this world. And the only thing that he can offer you has limited potential. And Jacob looked at his father And he saw a limited amount of blessing He he, he said I know you only Have so much land I know you only Have so much cattle I know you only have So much blessing to pour out And so he wanted to deceive and lie And scratch and steal in order To get that blessing but how many of y'all know That our father in heaven is not limited In his potential he owns The cattle on a thousand hills and I don't Think it stops there they could have wrote the Same scripture and said he owns the cattle on Ten thousand hills because he was the creator of the cattle in the first place. And when you own the first one, all the rest of them born after that are yours anyway. Amen? and so we he, he, Jacob only stole the blessing in the natural sense because there was a limited amount of blessing to be poured out but he found out through his dream and when God spoke to him in this, even in this verses that we've been reading that God is not limited in his potential but he said through you I will cause you to bless many nations in your seed he said uh, that all the families of the earth shall be blessed in verse number 14 he said that that means that God is not limited in his potential to bless us. Amen. But let's just begin reading real quick. That was all three. We're going to begin reading at verse number 10. And it says, And Jacob went out of Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took the stones of that place and he put them for pillows and he laid uh, and he laid down in that place. To sleep. And we, we talked about that just a little bit this morning. Verse number 16 says, And Jacob awake out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I had not known it. I, I've got to I've got to ask you today if there's ever been a time in your life, and maybe you're sitting in one right now, when you say, God, I don't feel you in this place. It's cold. It's dry. It's stony. There's no life here. I don't know what you've got me doing right now, but it doesn't feel like I'm I'm living up to my potential and what you called me to be. There are times in my life I just bring it and make it about me tonight so I don't have to pick on anybody, but there are times that I get down and And I say, God, I don't know why you have me doing this. I don't know what it is that that you caused me to just be cleaning the bathrooms at the church again god this isn't anything to do with my potential and i'm in a sl- i'm in a in a, a low and dry place and i don't feel your spirit anymore and the and i'm cold and god the place that you have me in is uncomfortable i don't even like the people around me you don't have to look around tonight i'm telling you that there have been times where i'm like i don't like the people that i'm ministering with i don't like the people i'm ministering to i'm sorry i'm just being real tonight i don't even like like that word are real uh, but I, I, all of a sudden it's about what i don't like but i'm telling you that there have been places that i've been in where where i just you know the the people I, i'm trying to minister with them and i don't even know that we're like-minded but i feel like i'm in a stony place and then all of a sudden god begins to move in that place do you know that all that god has dominion over everything yeah right, do you know that he has dominion over you? Do you know, I believe it was Paul that said, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. That means God has dominion over even hell. So that tells me tonight that no matter what position that you find yourself in, no matter how cold or how dry or how dark or how stony, the places that you find yourself in, that is God's place and He is there. Whether you you feel Him or not, we, we heard it a long time ago. The old saints used to say, you can't live by what you feel. This thing is not about what you feel, it's about what you know. And the only thing you know is what the Word of faith has taught you. It's what the Word of God has taught you is that even if I don't see him he's still present in my situation. Even if things aren't going as good as they once used to go it didn't mean that God has turned his back on me but he's still here with me in this hour in which I am. I wish somebody would understand tonight that the place that you are at may seem like a stony and rocky place. It may not seem like a place of fruition. It may not seem like the place of the promise but God is in that place. Jacob looked down and after after he woke from his sleep he said surely the lord is in this place and i had not even known it god was there and he didn't even know it there are times in our lives when god is all around us and listen it's not because he doesn't want to make himself known god always wants to make himself known i need you to understand that god is not incognito at any time in your life there is never going to be a time in your life when God says, I just need to sneak over here and hide behind the curtain. God wants to be made famous by you. God wants to be uh, ever-present in your your time of need. He's an ever-present help in our time of need. He wants to be present. That's not just ever-present behind the scenes. He's ever-present out in the open. God is not hiding around the corner, but most of the time we find ourselves in that cold place and our sensory uh, uh, motor skills and our our spiritual sensory uh, begins to get out of line because we're not in the place of comfortability anymore and we're not in the place uh, where we were hearing from God the same way. Do you know that the same God on the mountain is the same God in the valley? Do you know what the song said? That God that's on the mountain is the same God that's on the valley. He's the one who created the valley and he's the one that created the mountain and neither one of them are any hill for him and he's up there and he's down there but we get to the place where we can't hear from God if we were hearing from God in the in the valley then all of a sudden we get on the mountaintop and we turn a deaf ear to God because now things are going so well and all of a sudden we become mute to the things of God but he's still there he's still present that time of blessing in your life when you thought you didn't need God anymore he was still there That time of woe when you felt like God was far away from you in the stony place. He was still there. Where could I go? Where could I go? If I made my bed in hell, you're there. If I ascended the highest mountain, you're there. If I was down in the depths, you're there. If I'm among the sinners, you're there, God. If I'm among the saints, you're there. We get so uh, so used to hearing God in a certain way, Sister Evelyn. We get so used to doing things in a certain way that if the, if the situation doesn't make itself perfectly right for us, then we can't be used of the Lord. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody tonight. I've been there and, the, and been guilty of it myself. I don't even know whose water this is. Who knows whose mouth this is? You know?
0: Either
1: way. I'm the blessed of the Lord.
0: Amen.
1: Amen. I needed a drink. But we get so caught up. I, I've been there where, uh, listen, as a revivalist, as an evangelist, if the service isn't just up here, you know, when, when I get to the microphone, I'll tell you what, even as a pastor, I'm just going to be transparent for a second. As a pastor of this church, it's been, a, it's been a, a, a change for me because I'm used to taking the microphone and people being in an atmosphere of revival. And so then when I say somebody praise the Lord, it's like craziness. Because people respond. And, and, I've, and I've had to learn. And I've had to be molded. And have God say listen. you got to deliver. Regardless of the reaction of the people Paul. You still have to preach the same way. You can't lose anything. Or any of your zeal. You can't lose any of the, the zeal that you have for me. You can't lose any of your delivery. Just because of the reaction of the people. But I've been guilty of it myself. Being in a place that's unfamiliar. Where I don't find myself in that comfort zone. There are places that that we have gone when I said, is there anybody in the house that's ready to worship? And I could have not said another thing for the rest of the service because the Holy Ghost took over. Because it was that kind of atmosphere. And I don't know about you Sister Mindy, but this, that makes preaching easy. And it makes us really have very little to do with it. The Holy Ghost just begins to take over. But sometimes it doesn't work like that, Brother Tim. Sometimes you come in on youth night and it seems like they're all asleep from whatever class they had at the end of the day. And and, and they don't want to respond, and, and the situation's different, and then all of a sudden your message begins to change. Now, I'm not, I'm not picking on you alone. I'm just saying uh, it, it, it happens to every one of us. We, we, we get contingent upon the world around us. And God said, I'm constant. God put those stars in the sky, and they were constant. Everything about God is steadfast, and in order, and aligned, and precise. There's nothing about him that's varied. There's nothing about him that's got variables. The only variables that happen in church are us. Will the Spirit of God move today? It depends on us. God is constant. He's in every place at all times. He's omnipotent, omnipresent. He's there. Wherever you are. But will he he be manifest? Will he be present? Will he be made known? It's up to you. So Jacob was in this place. He said, God had been here and I didn't even know it. You know, I said this morning, the pillow's hard, but it's not for your comfort anyway. It's to line you up with God's word, to line you up for the vision. And when he, when he, when he woke up, he looked around and he, and he said, my God, I was in a dry place, but God was here. I was in a dry place. I was in a rocky, stony place. I used a rock for a pillow. But God was here. Verse number 18 says, And Jacob rose up early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put for his pillow, and he set it up for a pillar, and he poured oil on top of it. And you do understand that that word there that says he set it up for a pillar is that he literally made an altar out of that place. He took the thing that he had laid his head on. You need to see this in the scripture. He took the thing that he laid his head on and and, and he realized. And now let me, I got to tell you this. Those stones did not change overnight. Those stones did not become an altar because he put them together and stacked them. Those stones were already in the place where God was. If you take these legs off of this table right here, off of this bench, it doesn't make the top of this altar any less top of the altar. You understand what I'm saying? It's still the altar. You put the legs on it, put it together, it looks now like an altar. But if you took all these parts apart, if you had just this leg taken off right there and thrown over into the corner, it would still be a piece of the altar. Do you understand that? Brother Tim, if you broke a leg off of that chair and threw it over there, it'd still be a leg of a chair. It'd still be part of that chair. And that pillow that Jacob laid his head on the night before was the altar of God long before he stacked it up. So what you you need to see in the scripture is in that stony, rocky place, Jacob literally laid himself upon the altar. He said this place is is a place where God is. And I had not even known it. There are times when God has got you in a position that you don't even understand why you find, why you are there. You don't know why you're even there, and God says you don't even you need to begin to look around you. I remember at our house. Do you remember the service we had at our house? And we were talking about uh, we were talking about Samson and how he picked up he picked up the, the the jawbone of the donkey and he began to kill all those all those Philistines and he began to slay them and he wore himself out and he 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 threw that jawbone of that donkey he threw it down and he was just plumb more out from the fight and God said and he, he said I thirst now am I going to die of thirst after I've killed all these so many Philistines and God said look around at the ground around you and there was a puddle of water that had formed in the jawbone of that donkey what he was able to get drink from and I spoke to my family as we were having church in our house one day and I said listen the Lord is saying look around you you because the things that you have need of i've already put in your presence everything that you need is right there around you already don't look out afar of off you don't need to go find the evangelist that's speaking the the most uh, uh, charismatic word of the hour you don't need to go find the one who's who's making uh, you know everybody's ears itch you don't need to find the latest greatest prophet to give a word to you everybody's seeking a word when i'm telling you that god is saying in this hour, that what you need is right around you. you,
0: can.
1: you can. That jawbone was right there for Samson to pick up, and this—it's the same thing in this story right here. That—that that rock was the altar of God long before Jacob stacked it. It was the altar, and he laid himself on the altar you see what the thing is with us and it's the same way as it was in the Old Testament, people would bring uh, their scapegoats and they would bring their doves and they would bring their grain and they would offer up things on the altar of God as an atonement, as a a sacrifice, as a substitute for their sin and I believe today in this age that we are in we're still offering up those I know there's Jesus and grace and everything else but every week we come into God and we say God I'll I'll let that plate come around and I'll throw a dollar or two or twenty or a hundred or two hundred dollars into that plate and I'll give you a little bit of who I am I'll give you a little bit of my lifted hands as an offering God I'll throw a little bit, we're used to putting something on the altar but we refuse to put ourselves there Jacob laid himself on the altar And he lined himself up with God. That tells me based on this scripture right here. That if we're going to find ourselves in line with God. That the only alignment with God that we're going to find. Is lining ourselves up upon the altar. Lining ourselves up in prayer. Lining ourselves up. We've got to get spiritually aligned with God. By laying ourselves upon the other not just gifts not just my talents i'm not just going to bring my talents to you god I'm not just going to bring my singing ability to you. I'm not just going to bring my administrative giftings. God, I'm not just going to bring my ability to work. I'm not just going to bring my money. God, I'm not just going to bring you uh, the little bits of things that I have to offer. I'm not just going to participate in the fundraisers. God, I'm not just going to do this. I'm not just going to do that, but I'm going to yield myself. I'm going to come and I'm going to lay myself on the altar. Because that's the only acceptable sacrifice. Jesus said, Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. I believe in this day that God is trying to get us to put ourselves on the altar and line ourselves up spiritually with him. The church that's going to make a difference in these coming days is the church that's spiritually aligned with God. I don't care what the programs are. You know, the programs will keep them as long as the program is going. If you win souls or if you win people into your church based on a program, as soon as the program's over, they're gone. But if you win them based on the Spirit, the same thing applies. You win them based on the Spirit of God, as soon as the Spirit's gone, they're gone. But I would still rather lead them by the spirit of God into the presence of God and then say, God, never depart. Let your spirit not depart from me. I don't want to write Ichabod on the front of the church and walk away from the place. But God, let your spirit be in this place. Let the reason they came be the reason that they stay and the reason that they never leave God. But it's got to be by his spirit. We've got to line ourselves up in alignment with the spirit of God. And then we have to have, once we've lined ourselves up spiritually with God, then we have to have a social and ministerial alignment with God. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 11. All these scriptures are in there, so they should come up on the screen, no problem. Luke, chapter 11, verse number 17, it reads like this. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And a house divided against itself falls. If Satan be also divided against himself, how shall shall his kingdom stand? Because he say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges? But if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils... No doubt the kingdom of God has come upon him. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a, strong, when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. And this is profound what Jesus said right here. And you need to see it. It's, it's become modern day cliche. But he said, he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scatter. Jesus said something that's profound right there. If you're not with me, you're against me. My God, if the world would hear that message alone, I could preach for hours. If you're not with me, you're against me. I didn't write this scripture. It's written in red. It was written by the son of God. It was spoken out of the power of God himself. He said if you're not with me You are against me You can't just go through life Trying to line yourself up With everything of the world You heard me talk about it uh, A week or two ago About the churches That are just trying to hover On the line As close to sin As they could get In order to the, They say to reach over And get people out of sin And bring them just barely Across the line And fit them into some, some Hyper grace salvation that's, that's false And it's going to send So many people to hell But I'm telling you Jesus made a profound statement when he said, if you're not for me, then you are against me. I've got news for you, brothers and sisters. If there's any church that is throwing out the blood of Jesus, then they are against Jesus and they are not with him. And if there's any churches that are doing things that are contrary to this word, then they are not with him. Because to be for him is to believe every word that this scripture says. You don't get to just divide it. You don't get to just take what you want to and leave out the rest, you don't get to add to it. You've got to take it for what it is. And he said, if you're not with me, then you're against me. And I, I want to take it a step farther. If you read this book, it says in James that he that knoweth to do good and do it not sin unto him. And so that means this book laid it out for you that if it's questionable then you better not do it. Because Jesus said if you're not for me then you're against me. And I don't know about you but on that great and terrible day of the Lord I do not want to be one of them against Jesus. I want to be with him. The church needs a very serious ministry alignment nowadays. There are so many churches out there preaching a doctrine that I don't even know where it's come from other than the pits of hell. A state of compromise. We need an alignment. There are two ways to be aligned. They're going to come up on the screen if you want to write them down. There's two ways to be aligned in ministry and socially. Side by side and single file. There's two alignments. These are the two alignments that I want to talk about for just a few more moments tonight. Side-by-side alignment and single file. How many of y'all remember grade school? I know it's been a little bit longer for some than others. Amen. But when the teacher would line you up, they would say, single file. You remember that? Is that just me? They would say, get in a line, a single file line. You knew what that meant. And then line up one in front of the other. And then there are times that that we would line up. There are different circumstances where you line up side by side. I need you to understand something tonight that any other alignment other than those two things, when it comes to social and ministerial alignment, are, there is no such alignment other than those two things why do i say that why is that so important tonight because there are people that you have connected with your you you you, you have connected with that they say they're in line with you they're in alignment with you but yet they're, they're they're saying i'm right there beside you brother tim but they keep wanting to step up and get ahead of you and so they're, they're really just diagonal Or they're trying to step over in front of you they said i'm trying to line myself up i'm in alignment with you and I've got your back brother but they keep on stepping to the side and stepping out of the way when the fiery darts come. They keep saying I've got your front guard for you or I've got your back don't worry i got your back but every time they're stepping around anything besides side by side or single file alignment is not alignment at all. Right. And there are people all over the church today all over ministries today that are trying to line up with you but they really have only their best interest in mind. They don't want to be in line with you. They want to ride your coattail until they can slingshot past you. Because it's become a day and an hour where ministry is big business and ministry is making men and women famous. I don't think God ever intended for the gospel to get some man's name in lights. I don't care. Listen to me. I love his music, but I don't care to see Bill Gaither's name in lights. I wish when he had a concert, they just put Jesus up there. Because I don't believe Jesus ever intended for Bill Gaither's name to be put in light. I don't think Jesus ever intended for Rod Parsley's name to be put in light. I don't think he ever intended for Joel Osteen's name to be put in light. I don't think he ever intended. I'm I'm, I'm hitting on all of them because I'm not trying to beat up on any certain crowd. That's not my goal tonight. And I'm not trying to to bash on preachers. That is not my intention. But I'm telling you tonight that it was not Jesus' idea to ever make a man famous. Jonathan, Jonathan Wesley is one of my favorites, but I'm telling you right now, he's responsible. You've heard me say this. He's responsible for 25% of England coming to know Christ. 25% of a country. I don't know how many thousands or hundreds of thousands, that is, maybe millions. But 25% of a country came to know Christ through his ministry, and he died with the equivalency of $7. $7 he built churches all over England, millions of dollars transferred through his ministry but he didn't keep any of it because he understood that he wasn't trying to make his name famous did he go down in history? yes because true men of God deserve to go down in history for the work that they've done as a witness to what Jesus can do with a sold out life, but I'm telling you he never intended, and I'm going to go a step farther and say that the church that he, he started he'd be rolling over in his grave if he seen what they were doing because i'm telling you he didn't have a desire to be seen or to be heard but that the message of the cross and jesus christ would go forth he preached with passion and love and he had millions of dollars come through but he never put his name in lights but in the society that we live in people say i'm right with you brother i'm right there with you we're working together but secretly they've got the intent of their heart is to catapult themselves ahead of you Sister Mindy, do you know that there are people that will use and abuse you in ministry and they will take you uh, and they will use up and they will abuse your giftings and your callings? You have to be guarded. I hear the Lord saying you've got to guard yourself because there's an anointing that's too strong in you to allow it to be wasted on people that aren't even of your caliber. And it goes for everybody. If they're not beside you or in front or behind you, they're not aligned with you. And if you have to look around for them at any given time, they're not aligned with you. Because somebody that's in line with you and alignment with you is at arm's reach. They're at a a voice away. Even if you're in single file line, I don't care if they're at the front, they will hear you or get the message it could be 45 people in front of you, but that message will go through. Why? Because we're in alignment, baby. Because if you say it, I'm going to pass it forward because it needs to be heard. They're not going to mute what you've said. They're not going to dumb down what you've said. They're not going to deny what you've said being the oracles of God. They're not going to discredit what you've spoken because they're in line with you. I've it enough. I need to move on. <laughs> Any other alignment is not alignment at all. Diagonal is not an alignment. You understand that? When they're saying, I'm beside you, but they keep trying to step ahead, they're not beside you at all. They're not in line with you because diagonal is not aligned. Side-by-side alignment. Look at look at what Moses said about it in Deuteronomy chapter 22. 10. Do you have that one, Eli? Yep. You don't have to turn in your Bible. I'm not even going to turn in mine. I'm going to read it on the screen. Deuteronomy 22 10 he said thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together that's where we that's where we get the term to not be unequally yoked y'all know that expression they yoked two things together in Deuteronomy he was laying out the law and he said don't Plow with an ox and an ass together, and listen. I know we can we can we can call the ox the good guy and the ass the bad guy all all day long, and say you know that we, we use that we use that thing where we say uh, they're unequally yoked. Don't be unequally yoked together. Well, you know, and, and I know Paul said don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, but he was taking the message a step farther. I need you to see something in this tonight that 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 the donkey. Uh, it was making people laugh when I said ass. So if the donkey. Uh, it, he, he had, uh, I like that, he changed it. Bam, there you go. And so the, the ox and the donkey, I'm telling you right now that they were both useful for ministry. Right. Just useful in different ways. Useful in different situations. There are places that you could take a donkey and use him that an ox could never go there are, there are grounds that a donkey could not plow through that an ox would have the power to plow through. But they can't plow together. What is that telling me? It's not just about what Paul said about being unequally yoked with unbelievers. But it's about they may be good for their ministry. They, they may be, you know what? They are the absolute best at what God's called them to be. Because there's no better Tim than you. Amen. There's no, there's no better. There's no better Reverend Paul Tyndall than me. I'm the best at what God has called me to be because he's putting me a defined plan. He knows the plans that he has for me. There's nobody that's any better than you. you. But there are people that are not you. And they shouldn't be yoked with you, not because they're not fit for the kingdom. I get tired of people using that unequally yoked thing to cast somebody aside in the condemnation and then use somebody for the kingdom as if to say you're not good enough to go to heaven. You need to stay away because you're unequally yoked. That is not the voice of love and grace that Jesus Christ came to give us. But I'm telling you today that there are people that want to line themselves up with you because they want to ride coattails or because they want to do other things, because your ministry shines a little brighter than their ministry. Whatever the case is, it doesn't even matter what it is, but you have to find the ones that you're supposed to be yoked with. I'm not here to beat up on the donkeys or the ox, but you've got to be yoked the right way. Side-by-side alignment. You don't yoke. Oxen. Now you can yoke oxen vertically. You can lock, you can yoke them one in front of the other. But you never yoke oxen one in front of the other until you've gone side by side first. You will not find two oxen yoked together, bridled together in a, in a straight line. They will always be side by side. You might find four, but you'll never find just two in a straight line. Because there, there's, there's pulling power. I've got to get to my note because you need to see this. Because there's there's something powerful about two people being lined up side by side. Ecclesiastes says it this way in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. He said it like this. He said it in verse number 9 and verse number 10. He said, two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor." For if they fall, one will lift his fellow up, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. There's something powerful about being lined up side by side. And understanding what God has called you to do and who God has called you to partner with and who you will lock shoulders together with and say, brother, if you go to fall in, I'm going to be there to pull you up. And then you look back over to him and say, if you go to fall in, I'm going to pick you back up. And he says, great is the reward in verse number two "Two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. He was talking about two oxen yoked together that are better than one oxen trying to plow and another oxen and trying to plow. They can't do the same as, as, as individuals as they can do together. That's why the Bible said one can put a thousand to flight and two could put ten thousand to flight. It doesn't say two could put two thousand to flight because God understood that if we get yoked together and we get side by side and we begin to pull and we begin to push the ministry, then our reward will be greater. Brother Tim, there's nothing more powerful. Why do you think that evangelistically when we send out soul winners and when you do things evangelistically, you're not supposed to go it alone. You're supposed to have two people. That way, if one stumbles, the other one can be there to lift them up. But they're they're going out side by side when they do that. They're not one in front of the other. It's not some big I and little you. It's, it's, it's a side by side thing so that you can go out and show the love of God together. So we got to be lined up side by side. There's power and two like minded people in the kingdom. I'm getting ready to close. We must align with like minded people. Side by side alignment is for strength and uplifting, not trying to get ahead of one another. One pulls the other up if they get knocked down. And I need you to write this down God will align you side by side when He wants to show you His path. God will align you side by side when he wants to to show you his ability, his power. Because, listen, you're not a a ramming horn. You know, if if we were going to bust down a door, we don't line up side by side to do that. Because that would be our power. But side by side, we line up because God wants to show his power. So if you can line up side by side with somebody, then you recognize it's not me and it's not you. But together, it's God. God's going to provide the increase. Single file alignment. Single file alignment is, is talking about ministry alignment and who God has put, who has, God has ordained to be in front and behind you in ministry. God places people in front and behind you in the kingdom not because they are better than you or worse than you but strategically so they can defend you and hold you up while you're moving forward. I need you to write this down. God uses single file alignment when in, when movement is getting ready to take place. So he uses side by side alignment when he wants to show his power. He uses single file alignment When movement is getting ready to take place, I need you to understand based on that principle that if you don't know how to get in line, then don't come coming to me asking me why God won't promote you, why God won't move you forward. If you can't figure out that concept, then everybody's wondering, why is it that I can't get God to move me or progress me into another place? Why is it that there's no movement in my ministry? Why is it that there's no movement in my life? Because you don't know how to get in line. Everyone seems to be jealous of the one or, or, or one or more or ones who are ahead of them. What you don't know is that they have one less or more than one less line of defense from the attack of the enemy than you do. How about we just stop for a second? Brother, Brother Tim, will you stand up? And Brother Dennis, I just want you to see this. <clears throat> Just stand up, make a line right here, single file. You know what it, you know what it is. Single file right here. There we go. That's fine. You're almost single file. There we go. It's been a while since you've been in school. Thirty years. All right. Walter, come up here and help me. Why don't you come here and stand in front of Brother Ken? You see this is a bun a bit unorthodox. What happens in modern church, in the place that we live, is Brother Dennis begins to get upset because Brother Tim is younger than him, yet he's ahead of him in the line of ministry. And then they both get mad because here's little Walter, and God has put him in a position that's far above what he's worthy of, but he's been put there by God, and they're both having a little bit of problem Dennis has got a problem with Tim Tim's got a problem with Walter Dennis got a problem with both of them and then here I come along and I'm in the back and I, I can't stand Dennis because I know that I can do things better than he can and God still got him in front of me God still got him in a position over me and then there's brother Tim in front of him and here I am I think I've got all the goods and then I didn't even know because i he's so short, but then there's Walter up there. I thought Brother Tim was even at the head of the line. Then I stepped out of line because, you know, that's what we do. I stepped out and realized, my goodness, the line's longer than I thought. And the child will lead them. I want you guys to stay there for just a couple seconds because I need to show one more illustrated piece to that. But you see, what happens is we get so jealous of the ones who are in front. But you don't understand that when the fiery darts of the enemy come, Brother Dennis, if I throw this as if it were a dart, and I might do it, so you never know. If I throw this as a dart, get in a real good single foul line, because you guys aren't great. You guys don't know about line. Use the carpet. There we go. All right. All right. Don't try and see me, Brother Dennis. He's looking. See, he's getting out of line. You're out of line. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. What are the odds if I throw this fiery dart that I'm going to hit Brother Dennis? If you could see what I'm seeing right now, other than Brother Dennis sneaking his head around to see the preacher, other than that, there's no part of Brother Dennis that is even visible not because you're big, it's not fat. So if I were to throw this, and this was a dart at the enemy, what what are the odds of hitting Brother Dennis? What are the odds of this dealing a death blow to Brother Dennis? No way. I mean, it's one thing if I somehow do some weird shot and I and I hit him but a death blow it's impossible it's impossible and then and the same thing goes for Brother Tim. I mean, I've got more because, because Walter's a little bit smaller, but more than 60 or 80% of Brother Tim. And li- hey, there's a message in that because when that person's in front of you and the attack begins to come, you say, thank God you put them in front of me, Lord, and you begin to back down and use them as your defense because that's how God ordained it. I'm your pastor and I'm younger than you, but if the enemy begins to attack, you better duck down behind my back. If you're a little bit bigger or taller than me, you better get down and let the you better let the enemy come and say you're gonna have to fight him before you fight me. And then if you're three or four people back, I'm telling you the odds of this making a death blow to Dennis are are, are terrible. Brother Jim, get up and get behind Brother Dennis, real quick. What are the odds if I was throwing this dart and I'm the devil and I'm trying to throw this dart and hit Brother Jim? Is there any chance? at all that I'm going to hit brother Jim but yet we get in that place where brother Jim is and we all begin to fight and bicker and try and make our way around brother Jim step outside of the line for just a second now what are the odds that the enemy's darts will hit him this is where the enemy's trying to get you I promise you he don't want you in the front of this line Satan's plan is not to get brother Jim in the front of this line All Satan's plan is, is to get him outside the line. Out of alignment. There's power in the alignment. I need you guys to stay there, Brother Jim. You can sit down. We fight and we fight. And then we step out of line. And when you get out of line, you're out of line. God's saying, you're out of line. We've got to get in line. And let me tell you something, Brother Walter. There's good news for you. Because you're never in the front. You can be at the front. I can be the pastor. Oh, there's a state bishop ahead of you. Well, that's good. But was he in the front? No, there's a general overseer ahead of him. What about Tim Hill? Is he in the front? No. Jesus. Jesus is in the front. This is the good news, Walter, is that you don't have to take the brunt of it either because when the darts of the enemy come, you get to crouch down behind Jesus. Amen. You see what I'm saying? And and here's the problem, is that sometimes we try to get ahead of God. Ever heard of it? Ever heard of it? Well, I'm just, you know, they're trying to get ahead of God. What's that mean? It means that you are getting out of line and trying to get ahead of God. And I'm telling you, there's no more dangerous place than trying to get ahead of God. He says, the cross before me. This is why it's so important. He said, the cross before me cross before me. Hide me behind the cross. Let them see the cross. The cross is a a mighty defensive thing when you use it the right way, when you line up in line in alignment behind it. Peter said it like this, humble yourself before God and he will exalt you in due season. Humble yourself before God and he will exalt you In due season. We're so worried, Brother Dennis. We're so worried, Brother Jim, about being in the back of the line. When's God going to lift me up? When am I going to get to go in the front of the line? you're so worried about being in the front of this line that you don't understand that maybe God is trying to cultivate you in this line and protect you for what he's trying to build in you in this line and then he's getting ready to make a line out of you that you're going to be in the front of it may not have anything to do with brother Tim or brother Walter I didn't know years ago that I would be standing here in the front of this church in the front of this line at this church but there were people in front of me that I could have sit there and said man if I could just get ahead of them if I could just get in front of that part of the ministry and that's how we find ourselves because the world and the devil teaches us that you've got to pull and stretch and fight and claw to get ahead when God is saying he's saying do what I told you to do be in line with what I've called you to do and I will exalt you Jesus spoke about it in a parable I mean you guys are just gonna have to get used to sitting there for just a second Jesus spoke about this in a parable in the in Luke chapter number 14. Uh, It should come up on the screen, but I'm going to read it quickly. He said in verse number eight of chapter number 14, he said, when thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, I'm going to read it over here because I put it in the New American Standard. It's easier to read. When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by the husband. And. And he who invited you both will come to you and say, give up your place for this man. And and then in disgrace, you will proceed to occupy the last place. But when you are invited, go and recline at the last place so that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in the sight of all those who are at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This was a parable that Jesus spoke of, but I see all over the church. There are people that are not here tonight that I believe need to hear this message. Why won't God exalt me? Why won't God exalt me? Because you keep exalting yourself. Because he said in this parable, he said, you go to the table and you find yourself, every one of us, it's in our nature. It's in the sin nature of a man. It's in the flesh nature that when we come into this place and we're among our peers, we want to set ourselves at the best place at the table. And Jesus said, that's contrary to what I have called you to do. I want you to set yourself at the lowest place. That way, when the master of the feast comes, he exalts you up and then you sit with honor in the place that he's given you. So, our job, brother, brother Tim and Brother Dennis, is to stay there in the place that He's called you to be. And then one of these days, Jesus is going to say, Listen, you've, you've done so well. You don't deserve to be back there. You deserve to be in the front of this line right here. Now, you lock on, get a hand to hand with Brother Walter there. Now, Jenna and Abby, get behind Brother Dennis. Brother Jim, get behind Brother Tim. There's not enough people here to make this illustration work exactly right. Get in single file. Line up side-by-side and forward and backward. See, that's alignment. We talked about side-by-side ministry. We talked about single-file ministry. Sister Deidre, can you come here and help me? Brother Les, if you're able, let me help you up. I'm just... Get beside, over here, beside Brother Jim. Stand right here beside Brother Tim. hand in the This is what the kingdom of God should look like. This is what the kingdom of God should look like. Now, I want you guys, just take a little bit of a step. You guys stay where you're at. You guys take a little bit of a step wider. Take a look at a step sideways. There you go. Make sure you can still reach. Now, Nevertheless, you come over here with me. Right there. Stop. No, just right, right here. Just a little bit wider. Because the kingdom of God works in such a way that there's room. Because God will give you room. God's grace will allow you room. But there's room for you to step out, brother Jim, and try and make your way through. There's room. But it's dangerous because you become vulnerable. But if you look at this, if we would get in our place in alignment in the kingdom, you'd begin to recognize that there are people that God has placed beside you. No matter what stage of ministry or what stage of life or what stage socially that you're at, there are people that God has placed beside me. There's people that God has placed beside us. And we can begin to move forward in God. Because God will align us up forward in this in a single file line. and He will align us sideways. And at any given time, y'all can be seated. At any given time in your ministry, there should be people in front of you. There should be people beside you on both sides. And there should be people behind you. If there are not people behind you, you are not doing your job as a disciple. To disciple others. He said, go forth and make disciples. What does that mean? It means that you find somebody and you pull them in behind you and say, I will protect you and teach you and get you to the place that God wants you to be. And then you should be finding people that say, I need to find somebody like-minded that I can yoke myself together with that will stand beside me. And when if something were to come and the person who's protecting me in the front can't protect me and I start to fall, you're going to pick me up and hold me together. And that's the kingdom. That is unity. That is harmony in the kingdom of God. And if you could envision that, we did nine people, three by three. But if you would envision this church or the kingdom with all of us just lined up, side by side, forward and back, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. I don't know where you stand in the kingdom of God, but I know this. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows your name. He knows you more than a rank or a serial number. You're not just somewhere another face in the crowd. He has a powerful call on your life. Will you stand to your feet with me there? In the beginning, we read about Jacob. and It was the alignment of God that caused him to get in a place where he could have a dream, where he could have a vision about God, what God was trying to do. He had to align himself in order to have that dream of the latter. For Moses, he said, Don't unequally yoke oxen and ass together but equally yoked together with like-minded believers. That's side by side. And then Jesus taught us that we should go to the table, put ourselves in the lowest place, and let him put us in a line where he would want us to be and exalt us to the place that he wanted us to be. And so we know about single file alignment I don't know why tonight that God wanted this message to be preached on this Sunday night here for this crowd but I have to believe by the unction of the Holy Ghost I just believe right now that there are people that are instrumental in this church people that are instrumental in the kingdom of God, people that are instrumental, there are souls waiting waiting in the balance waiting on you to align yourself and say, no matter what comes, I'm not getting out of this line. You remember we talked about, you know, getting in line, single file. You used to get in trouble when you tried to get in line. You remember when people get on it and say you're butter. Remember that? Button in line, button in line. Because we all itching to get ahead. But every once in a while. The teacher would just recognize and say, Walter, you get in the front of the line today. You remember that? Getting ready to go to the lunchroom get your food. And every once in a while, the teacher would just say, everybody get in the line behind Walter. Everybody get in the line behind, behind Abby. She was the teacher's pet, so she got to get in the front of the line. All right. That's the same thing as Jesus looking at us and saying, I'm pleased, I'm pleased with your demeanor. You're not butting in line, you're not trying to get ahead, you're just trying to push the ministry
0: of the kingdom of God.